From 2002 to 2008, World Wrestling Entertainment produced the Ruthless Aggression Era. Ruthless Aggression! As a power vacuum formed in the wake of wrestling's biggest boom period, WWE producers and superstars alike worked to reinvigorate their company and recapture success and acclaim. In the process, a string of future Hall of Fame level talent rose to the top and enjoyed crossover appeal in the public consciousness. We're going to take a trip back in time and travel through this amazing period in WWE history. The matches, the storylines, the home media and more. Every triumph and every heartbreak. Whether you were watching as it all unfolded, or you're here to learn about this era for the first time, this series will have something for you. This is Ruthless Aggression Relived. Ruthless Aggression! Hello and welcome back to another Ruthless Aggression Relive. My name's LT Fletcher, your tour guide through WWE's Ruthless Aggression era. And joining me today, I've got a very special guest. He's uh, not only uh, a member of New Legacy Inc., much like uh, much like myself, come to that, uh, but for the first time uh, on our podcast, we have someone who has actual ringside experience and in-ring experience on the podcast with us, ladies and gentlemen, it's only Dino Winwood. Dino, how you doing, man? Hello. How are ya? I'm doing okay. Uh, very, very honoured to be on here, and uh, yeah, it's chilly out. So It's it, it's <laughs> definitely uh, firmly in winter territory now. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I Winter's actually one of my favourite seasons, and so... Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah, just, you know, I look adorable in coats, and I just like... <laughs> Toasting up in my in my blankies. There is something to be said about snuggling up in front of the fire. You know, the, the little fairy lights twinkling. That is true. Although I don't have a fireplace, we we don't have that kind of luxury here in in nah. California. That's usually like a couple of hundred thou extra <laughs> on the Jeez. old mortgage and rent. <laughs> well, I've got I I've got two. So if you like, I can put wow. One in, I, can, I put one in the envelope. So, and post so it Blood to you. has two things of Cool Whip in his fridge, and you got two fireplaces. What the sh- what the shit? Yeah, what do I have? I have I have two two Terry Funk action figures. There we go. That's all I need. Well, I mean, I have no Terry Funk action figures, so you're beating me in that regard. Okay. Well, then, all right. So I have two of something. Now we need to ask yeah. the rest of the boys what two of something that they have. So. <laughs> Uh, so, Dino, whenever we get uh, somebody new on the show, uh, we always like to go through their wrestling origin story. So, uh, oh. what what got you into into the wrestling? What got you, you know what what first interested you in it? What are your like sort of early memories? And do you have any particular memories of this period in particular? Oh, okay, well, that's a lot. So, I will definitely try to give the the really detailed cliff notes. Um, when I was about uh, four or five years old, my auntie gave me a VHS. It was a Kodak VHS, and it had three things on it. It was the films Made in Heaven, the Garbage Pail Kids movie, and WrestleMania Four. So, <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> you this, stayed this, around afterwards. My this God. very <laughs> rando compilation of things, and um, I was just completely blown away that this giant 
building of people were there to watch these guys who looked like they were superheroes. And, um, you know, seeing just all the extravagance of WrestleMania 4 and Macho Man Randy Savage coming off the top rope and all the camera flashes and everything, I'm like, what is this place? I want to go here. And so I remember being at home on Saturday and flipping through the TV, hoping to find it again. And it wasn't until like I just stumbled upon it around twelve o'clock. It's usually the time to show wrestling. Um, and uh, there was a spot where this guy was not happy with the referee's decision and started charging after him. But the referee ends up back body dropping him over the top rope. I was like, what, what, "Is this it? This looks like it's it. It's it's the same setting. <laughs> it's the ring and everything. Okay, I need to see this." And so, <clears throat> so in the process of that. Uh, I remember my brother coming in and he's like, oh, you're watching wrestling. I'm like, wrestling? That's what wrestling is? All right, cool. Yeah, I'm watching wrestling. And um, word got out that my dad's friend on uh, his softball team, because I don't know if if they have that over there of any form, but like every dad in the 80s and 90s over here played on a softball team of some sorts with people. (laughs) A massive shed culture. Just a whole shed of it. Like as soon as you were a dad, you the the training book says that you have to be in a softball team or a bowling team. So, <laughs> but um, uh, he's like, oh yeah, my friend uh, Ernie, he watches wrestling. Um, you know, they're gonna do a a, a pay per view. I'm like, wow, mm. we're gonna look at a paper. Like, I don't know what that is. And um, <laughs> so, um, my mom, she had actually bought me two WCW figures. She goes, Mijo, I got these these toys for you. The, they're wrestling. Like, oh, cool. And I see one guy, and he's completely blonde and wearing uh, blue trunks, and he's flexing. And I'm like, oh, is he supposed to be like Hulk Hogan? Because I was used to the imitation toys as well. Like, we were, sure. you know, we, we either had the name brand or we had really, really good knockoffs. Oh, And yeah. so I didn't know what WCW was at that time. So... I was like, okay, this guy's supposed to be Hulk Hogan, and this other guy's supposed to be Ultimate Warrior, and it was Sting. <laughs> and so, <laughs> well, well, there's a connection there. That's close yeah. Enough. Oh, you could imagine my face when I found out that they had worked together. <laughs> um, see, because when you're a kid, uh, contracts and uh, region and territories didn't really exist. So, whenever mm. Sting was getting beat down or Slip was getting beat down. I was like, Where, where's Ultimate Warrior? Come out and help your friend because you worked with him before. Like, it was just really ridiculous. <laughs> like, like not, not sort of understanding that he's probably not even in the same state. But yeah. He should, be here to, should be here to defend his friend. It's the right thing to do. Yeah. See, I was booking the Forbidden Door before it was even a thing. So it was fantastic. <laughs> you were but, ahead um, of the curve. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like that, that event, uh, Super Brawl. I think it was 88, 89 when the Steiners mm. took on Sting and Luger. That was my first ever like live pay-per-view. And, right. um, so just continuously not understanding what time blocks were or the concept of it was. <laughs> Flipping through the channels on Saturday. Um, uh, I was watching WCW Saturday, uh, Saturday night. It was worldwide probably. But uh, I saw this guy who was just completely insane. And looking around and smiling, a very devious smile, and using his fingers to look like guns going bang, bang. <laughs> and I'm like, Cactus Jack, this guy's crazy. I like him. 
and seeing all the crazy bumps that he did and everything else. I'm like, this guy is awesome. I, I don't know. People are booing him. And I guess, you know, that'll be my secret because I'm not supposed to like bad guys. But <laughs> I'll go ahead and like this bad guy because he's really cool and crazy. So, <laughs> so yeah, Cactus Jack was my favorite WCW wrestler, my first ever. Um, and then Macho Man was my, my WWF favorite. Well, um, I mean, quite quite right, really. Excellent taste, I thank must you, say. Thank you. And again, <laughs> another crazy, a, a different form of crazy uh, with Randy Savage. Madness, if you will. Absolutely. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, upon finding everything that I could on my TV, because like, our, we had different television sets. Uh, one was a dial. Another one was just a ridiculous amount of channels. And one room would get different reception than the other. And so the back room, my parents' room, would get WWF. And my sister's room would get... Oh, it would get WWF and WCW. My sister's room would get Global Wrestling Federation. And right. So I got to see like the Lightning Kid and Jerry Lynn and stuff like that really early yeah. in the career. I'm like, these guys have a lot, like, a lot of bright colors and stuff. I wonder if they have toys. Because it's always just, oh, these guys are really cool. I wonder if they have a toy of it. Because, you know, 80s, 90s. Uh, you know, it's the it's the correct mindset for a child. Yeah, absolutely. And the, everybody was just so impressive at that time, and I was just completely engulfed by all this. And uh, I remember it was my birthday, and I told my dad, "Dad, the, they there's going to be wrestling at the Los Angeles Sports Arena." And he's like, "Oh, okay. Well, that's cool." And like, he didn't really think of it uh, until one day he's like, come on, let's go for a ride. We're going to, because he stayed home from work. I'm like, yeah, dad, stay home from work. Cool. And he's like, okay, we're going to go for a drive. Like, All right. So we get in my dad's truck and we're driving far. I'm like, we're going really far. And he goes, yeah, he goes, I'm just going to, we're just going to take a little ride. That's all. And so, you know, uh, looking around at the LA sites and everything, we saw this big blue building and there was Dodger Stadium at the time. I don't know if it's still, yeah. I don't really like baseball. But um, uh, we get there, and there's this giant place, and I'm like, "Wow, I wonder what this is." Maybe, maybe my dad has to pay like a bill, and it's you know he has to drive all the way out to Los Angeles to pay this bill. <laughs> In this unfeasibly large office building. Yeah, because if it's not McDonald's or Toys R Us, what the hell am I going to care? You know, I'm a five year old. So, <laughs> but yeah, I was able to read it at the time. I'm like, Los Angeles Sports. And my face just completely lit up, and he goes, "Yep, we're gonna go see wrestling." And I was so happy, and like at the time, I really should have took advantage of it. Of where he's like, "Okay, do you, what? What do you want from the merchandise stand?" And I was always a kid who's just like, you know, I don't want to ask for too much, so I'm like, "I'll just, I'll take uh, this." And this, so it was a, <laughs> I remember it was a, I think a Hulk Hogan hat and right. a Jim Duggan foam two by four. And well, I mean, what more could you ask for, really? Right, dude, those Jim Duggan two by fours are so awesome. Like, mind you, Jim <laughs> Duggan is not really anybody's like, oh man, my favorite wrestler is Jim Duggan. Like, <laughs> never, <laughs> never once where he says, dude, the greatest match of all time was Jim Duggan. Like, no, that's not a sentence. <laughs> 
So <laughs> he's he's one of those guys. He's just sort of perennially there, isn't he? I don't yeah. think anyone's. I don't think. I don't think anyone's ever said, "Oh, he's my favorite." But he's you know he's an entertaining act. Exactly. And hey, he, ha- he has made a lot of money out of wandering around with a big stick of wood and going ho. So yeah, and USA, even though right. he's facing <laughs> someone from the states. So <laughs> right. <laughs> so I mean. Upon a um, real quick note on that one, upon one, re- we were rewatching WCW World War Three on, on my channel, and um, we watched uh, Jim Duggan versus uh, Big Bubba Rogers, uh, you know, Ooh. Big Ball Man, and um, <laughs> it was actually a really good brawl. It was a taped fist match, and really? Duggan pretty much had his whole damn arms uh, taped up, but it was a really really good brawl. So I might have to go back and watch some territory stuff of Jim Duggan. Like he finally got me, the bastard. So. I I do kind of feel like you know the the, the territories for me they're kind of this mythical before time of wrestling you know like it, all all these great legends of wrestling that all happened in the past and I've got like zero knowledge of any of it is oh it's, it's fun it's it's just this like it's spoken of in in myth and in legend and it's like oh and here's Here's this guy with a cool voice. He worked in the territories area. He will be a background character in one episode of the Attitude Era. Okay. Yep, that that definitely sounds about right. Here, um, here's Freddie Blassie. He was a big deal in the 70s. Nobody watching knows who he is now, but he was fucking important, so there you go. Yep, we're going to put him in these segments on WrestleMania. And, and it'll be great. Like, all the dads and grandpas will, you know, probably not be watching, but, you know, it's for them. <laughs> it's for them. Standing but, there, a tear in their eye, like, oh. And there's some there, wild so shit from the territories too, man. I can like, imagine. Like if you like, uh, I always put this out there in our in our our Discord. If, any, if you or any of the boys ever want to watch old stuff, I'm happy to pull the tapes out for this because it's there's mm-hmm. so many things that I watch. I'm like, ooh, I'll, I should show this to someone or I should show that to someone. And like the stuff is just really wild back then. Even the fact that there, if it's just you know pre insanity spots of flips and dives and everything else there's still a lot of really good stuff out there that is just like damn this is really intense or this is really entertaining and the energies of the crowds are just ridiculous so well in ring styles constantly evolve in wrestling but good storytelling is a consistent absolutely and plus also when you do dive into the archives you find some stuff you're like oh shit that was around back then you found out no that's the moment it was invented and you know, it's just the evolution process of it. Like, finding out that uh, when Scott Steiner invented the 450, like, of all people. <laughs> what? Scott Steiner. Yeah, Scott Steiner was on tape uh, doing one of the first ever 450s. Holy just shit. Just this big mulleted muscle mountain doing a 450-degree rotation off the top and landing on someone. Not to the perfect execution that we are known of today, sure. but... The fact that he just went for it balls to the wall is just like, God, Scott Steiner is an insane person. So, Well, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, no spoilers, but uh, during the run of our podcast, Scott Steiner will not be doing any 450 splashes. <laughs> we, we do apologize in advance for that. <laughs> if only, my God. Right? That, that would have made his WWE run, like his, his 2000s run, much better. I think, if anything, you're going to catch him slipping off the apron trying to double axe handle test. Oh, God. That's like my favorite spot ever because I just lost my mind on it that my friend made a loop of it on a, a comp tape that he did for me. I hate that feud so much. It was really like, terrible. I, it, it was interminable. I, I love Test, as people who listen to the show will. Yeah. Test is amazing. <laughs> because Test, Test is amazing. Rules. Test is fucking great. 
But, uh, yeah, that feud made me want to stab myself in the eyes. <laughs> but never mind, because here today, we're going to have a little look at something that doesn't make me want to stab myself in the eyes. We're going to head back in time in the old time machine to June 6, 2002, in the Cox Convention Center in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. <laughs> uh, where Bagar, where Michael Cole and Taz are at ringside for an episode of SmackDown. So, uh, are you ready to uh, hop right in and have a look at what history's got for us here? Let's go to Smacky Downs to get to this. So, uh, unusually then, we have a little cold open. Um, 16 superstars are in the ring, but apparently they don't know why they've been told to go out there. Uh, which, so, <laughs> which I found very, very distracting. I'm like, wait, <laughs> a bunch of wrestlers are in the ring. And it's either one of two things. Somebody died, or you're going to do a battle royal. Like, yeah, it's, cl- it's clearly going to be one of two. But like, yeah, the implication, they don't know why they've been told <laughs> to go out there. Like, Vince is going to come out and they're like, I'm sorry to tell you this, but uh, Triple H uh, was involved in a car accident. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, so it was like that storyline we did of uh, my career. <laughs> You don't got to worry about Triple H. Why? He's dead. <laughs> uh, but unfortunately, Triple H is not dead because his music hits and out he comes. Uh, so too does Chris Jericho. Uh, Chris Jericho and Kurt Angle, who uh, takes just a little briefest second to straighten his headgear and wig, which is just amazing. He's Hair so supplement. Details. Hair supplement. Exactly. He's on those supplements. Uh, and last to enter is Hollywood Hulk Hogan, who has extra special seizure lighting. Oh, God. That that guy. I'm like, man, no consideration for anybody. Oh. <laughs> Out comes Vince, and he announces there's going to be a 20-man battle royale with the 20 men in the ring, and the winner will be named the number one contender to the WWE Championship at King of the Ring. And the battle royale will begin now. Oh, let's go test. Hell yeah. So, big old brawl to begin with. Heels take on faces, faces take on heels, tweeners have identity crises. Mm -hmm. Uh, Godfather is first out, he's chucked out by Triple H. Devon gets rid of Farouk, and Kurt goes to town on Hardcore Holly in the corner. Uh, Test and Hulk Hogan get into it. I mean, legit, I felt like that was a feeling out process. I'm like, why didn't they pull the trigger? Like, I know. Oh, he's still a good performer. So what? He's not with Stephanie anymore. Could honestly, man, could have been could could have been a match for the ages. You know, Hogan Andre. That would have been nothing compared to Hogan Test. Yeah, Hogan goes for the big boot. Test says, "Bitch, please." Shakes it <laughs> off. His head into the mix and county. kicks his head in, <laughs> or the rest of his hairline off his head. So <laughs> hell yeah. Devon tries to charge a Triple H. Triple H sidesteps and uses Devon's momentum against him, and out he goes. Uh, there's a little bit of uh, confrontation between Lance Storm and Billy Kidman mm-hmm. and Chris Jericho. But seeing this disgusting display of violence towards his fellow Canadians, Test big boots the absolute shit out of Kidman and knocks him <laughs> off the apron and out of the match. Get out of here. Don't yeah, fuck was, with Test. That was like one of my favorite eliminations. I was like, oh, there's the boot! Everybody can go home now. Start of the show. We're, we're happy within the first two minutes. We've had a big boot from Test. I'm happy anyway. Uh, Christian then ducks a clothesline by uh, the big Valbowski, throws him out, and then celebrates like he's just won the world title, which is so good. So, such uh, good. TNA then fight, breaking the hearts of millions worldwide as oh. Test and Albert go at it. Christian then gets a bit too big for his boots and picks a fight with Hogan, who hoofs him out of the ring, and Christian does a little tanty. Uh, Storm (laughs) 
trips Triple H to the outside, but he goes over the middle rope, not the top rope, meaning he isn't eliminated. And neither are Storm and Test, because they slide out of the ring to start beating the shit out of Triple H. <laughs> this, the full Tilly like, Donnybrook. <laughs> exactly. It's like honestly, it's like the whole match was built around Test doing cool shit, honestly, and I'm here for it. Yeah, it was a well booked battle royal for Test. Yeah. Uh Randy Orton and Kurt Angle, they get into a little fight in the corner. Little knowing that one day they would be married to a pair of BFFs for life, IDST. And <laughs> deciding he's had enough of Randy's nonsense, Kurt just fucks him out of the ring, and that's that. <laughs> Jericho then uh, tosses Al Snow out of the ring. So the elimination's coming thick and fast uh, at this point. Triple H gets Lance Storm back in the ring, and Mark Henry clotheslines Storm out of the ring straight away and eliminates him. Chavo Guerrero tries his luck with Mark Henry and gets thrown out of the ring by the world's strongest man. Hurricane! This is this is a very in-depth match, as I'm sure you can. <laughs> yeah, the roster Hur- is stacked. Hell yeah. Hurricane goes for a chokeslam on Kurt Angle. Kurt does not even slightly humour this and just tosses Hurricane out of the ring. Hugh Morris attempts to clothesline Kurt from behind. Kurt uses his momentum against him to throw him out. Jericho then mounts Hulk Hogan in the corner and says, quote, Gah! End quote. <laughs> it was awkward, too. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Albert tries to get Hardcore Holly out. Bob resists, though. Kurt dumps Albert out from behind, then throws Bob out. But Bob went through the middle, meaning he's still in the match. Mark Henry gets Kurt up, tosses him over the ropes, but Kurt clings on. Henry charges and tries to knock him to the floor, but Kurt low bridges the ropes, and Henry tumbles out of the ring and the match. Triple H then follows up with a high knee to Kurt, allowing Bobcore to throw Kurt to the floor. And Test follows up by big booting Holly out of the ring. How do you like Test now? I like him <laughs> fucking lot, by the way. Right. So, we are left with Evil Canadians versus Virtuous Americans. Test and Jericho double-team Hogan, and uh, decide then to turn their attention to Hunter, which allows Hogan to hulk up. Hogan fights off the Canucks and gives both men a big boot, substantially less good than Test's, because Hulk does not rule. (laughs) Mirror eliminations then as Triple H throws Test out of the ring, as Hogan does the same to Jericho, leaving Triple H and Hogan as the final two. They stare one another down and both make a little motion, suggesting that they want the win and the championship. Triple H beckons for Hogan to come on, and in response, Hogan tears his shirt. Triple H is not impressed, and launches into a bunch of punches. Hogan clotheslines Hunter, punches back with all his leathery might. Triple H ducks under a big boot, which is fairly impressive considering Hogan barely got his leg up. Mm. Uh, Hunter manages to clothesline Hogan against the ropes, but his own momentum carries him out of the ring, and both men hit the floor at the same time, at 8 minutes and 15 seconds. Holy shit. <laughs> That's a fucking fast-paced start to the show. Absolutely, man. You bring out everyone in there. You got the fans excited about who's going to win this matchup. And then you ended a controversial finish where no cameramen at ringside were in the proper position. And for some reason, standing in the both direct same direction. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this is kind of a repeat of uh, the Royal Rumble spot with Bret Hart and Lex Luger. Mm-hmm. Um they like they've they've repeated this bit a couple of times over the years and like you say, it does make you wonder how you know, the company that famously always has a cameraman on hand, how they did have someone pointing in the right direction, but oh well. <laughs> uh so the referees can't agree on who won the match. Oh, Teddy one Long, of the referees Teddy Long, by the way. Yeah. Uh he sides with Hunter and Baby Heb sides with Hogan. 
after the ad break, the refs and officials have hit the ring and they're trying to separate Hogan and Triple H, who are both uh, getting in one of his faces. Dean Malenko in the rare black and black ref shirt. Ooh. Uh, Johnny Ace, meanwhile, with truly terrible hair, and I mean even by the standards of the early 2000s. <laughs> he's, he's, he's definitely had the worst hairstyle through his whole career, so... He, oh, he, he's not had a good... good not had a good rug on there. <laughs> Vince then appears on the Titantron in his office, because, you know, he was, he was, like, at the top of the ramp before. He just decided, fuck it, I'm going to go back to my office. Yeah, he decided, um, you know, it'd be a live-action uh, SmackDown cutscene, so... yeah. He says that there's a dilemma in as much as the ending is inconclusive. He puts it to a fan vote and asks them to voice their support for the wrestler they want to go to King of the Ring. However, having done this, Vince says he won't let the hokey okies influence his decision. <laughs> and uh, he says he telephoned The Undertaker during the break and Taker doesn't care who he faces. Vince therefore decides the two men will have a one-on-one -on -one match that night to determine who will become number one contender, and then Triple H attacks Hogan like a big heel dipshit. <laughs> and that's the start of your SmackDown, ladies and gentlemen. Good stuff, I thought. What do we, what do we reckon? Oh, absolutely. I would uh, I would say for an, an opener, a solid opener like that, I'd give it a seven. Mm. I, I Something that I think is quite clever as well, everyone who appears in the ring in this match um, is featured either elsewhere on tonight's card mm -hmm. or they appeared on Velocity this week so everyone got two paydays which is really nice heck yeah I mean honestly you know you see that much attention going towards Velocity as well like exactly well it, it's still the shiny new toy at this point it's only been around for a few weeks so they're uh, they're, they're um. trying to get people watching which is why uh, as we will come to later there is a little bit of hype for Velocity later in the show <laughs> which really caught um, me off guard yeah <laughs> um but yeah, I think it's 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 clever, concise booking. I mean, you've got twenty guys. You have just booked two shows with them. Congratulations is all I can really say to that. Um, and and we got some good little storylines that came out of this as well. You know, there's there's some good little character moments that came out of this. So this is this is fun. I was happy with this. Mm -hmm. Shame. So we head backstage where Mark Lloyd asks Kurt for his thoughts on what just transpired. Kurt says, a WWE icon, a legend, just got screwed, and it's a travesty. Mark Lloyd asks who Kurt thinks won, Hogan or Triple H, and Kurt asks what the hell he's on about. He was talking about himself. Whee! <laughs> Kurt asks if it... <laughs> this is so goofy. He asks if it's Screw Kurt Angle Month. Uh, he asks what exactly Hardcore has been teaching the Tough Enough Kids. Uh, and then Bob Cole walks into shot and tells Kurt not to stress, or he'll lose his hair. <laughs> Kurt challenges Bob to a match, and Bob welcomes the challenge, asking how Kurt likes him now. And then the corniest song ever to exist hits, How you like me now? <laughs> that would, honestly, I like, that would have probably killed Hardcore. <laughs> At that time, yeah. <laughs> Immediately. They would have made a video package of it. DOA. Oh, they would have so done it, though. Um, so, yeah, straight out of the match, and we're already building... Two storylines. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. Elsewhere backstage then, Billy and Chuck watch the end of their match from the previous week. Rico enters the locker room apologetic over what happened. He says the former champs have let themselves go with the stress, including Billy getting a big old spot on his arse. Billy says they have <laughs> one chance left to get back the tag championships in an elimination match, and if things don't go their way, they'll be looking for a new stylist. Dun-dun-dun! <gasps> no. Gasp. 
Uh, then Michael Cole informs us we are meant to see Edge take on Chris Jericho in a King of the Ring qualifier later, but Edge may not be able to compete. Mm, I know. I know. So up next then, we have Tag Team Action with the WWE Tag Team Championship on the line in an elimination match as champions, um, uneasy champions, Rikishi and Rico take on <laughs> Billy and Chuck. Rikishi with the red Mawashi, by the way, a rare yeah. holographic Rikishi. I love a holographic Rikishi. Saw it in concert <laughs> one time. It was great. <laughs> So what would their uh, what would their team name be? Since he's a stylist and Rikishi's got the butt, would it be Hairy Ass? I love it. I'm here for it. So I was gonna today. I was gonna go with I was going with Rikoshi, but you know I, Rikoshi I think is genius. <laughs> that, that is that's genius. From, that's from the school that brought us like Shogun and Shogun. Yeah, but it? like R- Rikoshi. <laughs> wow. I'm really digging I, that. I kind of want I, that to be a thing now. I, I'm kind of on board with hairy ass, though, i got to say. <laughs> I, just, I mean, that mine's more attitude error, which, ugh, I'm sorry. But, like, Rikoshi <laughs> is definitely more ruthless aggression error. So, yeah. <laughs> we love a portmanteau. <laughs> My favorite cheese. Um, well, that's portmanteau. Uh, ooh, My bad. Delicious. <laughs> uh, Rico starts things off uh, against Chuck. Um... Chuck puts him in a wrist lock, and Rico taps out, which makes it a two-on-one <laughs> match, which is so fucking funny. Um, we like we get, and this is again, this is a gag that has not aged very well because of different attitudes at a different time. He mm. he like waves his wrist wrist about in a in pain, you know, it's making a limp wrist gesture, and it isn't big, and it isn't clever, and it isn't funny. But they did the work for the visual gag, and I kind of appreciate that. And then Taz just spells out the joke like a fucking moron, so... Hey, he's doing that! It's very, like, Mac from Always Sunny, like, just describing what is happening. Like, yeah, we yeah. know. We know. So. <laughs> uh, so Billy and Chuck then double-team the quiche, and Cole suspects that Rico may not have been trying. Smart lad, that Michael Cole. He'll go places. I know. It's hell of a dresser at that time, too. <laughs> oh, we are in the era of frosted tips goatee, Michael Cole. <laughs> so it's it's two-on-one action, but Rikishi holds his own because, you know, he's a 350-pound Samoan, so obviously the advantage is always in his corner. Hey, we he's a bad man. Yeah. We get Samoan drop from Rikishi to Chuck, super kick to Billy. Rikishi squishes Chuck in the corner, sets him up from the stink face, uh, but Billy hits the ring only to walk into a cutter from Rikishi. When was that in his arsenal? Yeah, just this pop-up ace crusher. I'm like, damn, <laughs> why didn't he do that more? He did it good. We get a little bit of uh, tag teaming, uh, sort of double teaming as uh, Kyoda admonishes Chuck for using a closed fist, which then allows Billy in the background to throw Rikishi into the, uh, the ring steps, the steel steps outside. Um, Chuck gets Billy back in the ring and works over him in the corner, while Taz says it's better to have a limp wrist than a limp biscuit. Now I know uh, you'll be hating that shit right there. L-I-M-P. Biscuit, biscuit reference. Is right there. <laughs> L- we, listen, we stand r- limp biscuit on this podcast. Right? I, I don't know what made that. <laughs> I mean, we, we're, with whom we're associated, it should be a given as well. So, <laughs> like, legitimately... <laughs> <laughs> All hail the Hypnodurst. <laughs> uh, Rico pulls off one of the turnbuckle covers behind Mike Kyoda's back. Uh, Rikishi 
backs Chuck into the corner and charges, but Chuck tosses him face first into the turnbuckle ring and makes the cover, but only it's a two. Sunset flip from Chuck very nearly results in the face sit pin. Ooh. Uh, which can't be pleasant. No! Re- <laughs> there's there's no way to do that nicely. Uh, as Rico argues with the referee, Billy hits the ring. Both challengers eat a Samoan drop. As Kyoda focuses on Billy, though, Rico hits Rikishi with a spin kick. And Michael Cole simply does not understand this storyline. <laughs> he, he, he hit his own part! No. Oh my god, Cole. Cole, where hell. the hell are you? <laughs> it's not difficult, buddy. It's really not. But he's like, his best friend, his tag team friend. Where are you getting that, Cole? <laughs> Why is he his be- best friend? <laughs> <laughs> best man at one another's wedding. He's the godfather <laughs> to his child. What are you... No, imbecile. They came up within the territories. Stop. Stop, <laughs> Michael. God. Chuck nails Rikishi with a super kick. Covers him. Rikishi does get his foot on the bottom rope, but Rico, uh, Rico slaps it off, which allows Chuck to pick up the win and regain the titles for his team at four minutes and five. In revenge, Rikishi splats Rico in the corner and hits him with a rump shaker. What do we think to this insanity? Well, given the terribly uh, dated spot of the limp wrist and Michael Cole mm. just not understanding his job, um... <laughs> Legitimately, I thought it was a, a really fun, fast-paced elimination match. Like it, it yeah. displayed definitely what a threat Rikishi can be mm-hmm. as a singles wrestler, and you know, it's it, it was a great display for it. So I, I'd give it again. I'd give it a nice seven. Yeah, I see Billy and Chuck. I think they're kind of an underrated team because they, they had absolutely yeah they had a really well-known comedy gimmick, and that's what everybody remembers them for. And of course. The commitment ceremony, which we will get to in due course. Oh boy! But people overlook how well they work as a team in the ring. They are constantly doing the double teaming and the cutting the ring off and throwing Rico into the mix. Just mm. adds that extra element, and it's this brilliant, well-oiled machine of the three of them collaborating behind the ref's back and generally getting their way. It's good shit. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, the tag division, especially around that time, was still pretty solid. Like a lot of people. Yes, absolutely. Definitely overlook that. And Billy and Chuck is definitely an iconic tag team of two wrestlers who are known for tag team wrestling. So that's true. Billy Gunn, very much a tag team specialist, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Backstage, then things are going to get interesting now. At equipment storage, Hurricane finds another note from his mystery stalker inside his equipment crate. I don't quite know how the hurricane rated an equipment crate all to himself, but <laughs> whatever, I guess. My, my question is, is how did he know what it was saying before he pulled it out of the envelope? <laughs> he used his horror powers, obviously. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, the note says the mystery woman is in his locker room. So heading to his locker room, Hurricane finds none other than Nydia. Oh, Making Nydia. her Smackdown debut. Make it, well, making her main roster debut, even. Hmm. Uh, she bites open a pack of gum, then spits it onto the floor. <laughs> uh, she then implies that she and Hurricane had some very good sexings. Hurricane does not specifically deny this, but he does refute the quality of the bonk. <laughs> he essentially admits his secret identity on camera, and then calls Nydia a horror bitch. Yeah, which, uh, (laughs) mind you, I was looking away, I was looking away at the time, and so when he said Hura and they bleeped it, 
my brain didn't think bitch was the word that they used. <laughs> because those of you who don't know the spelling of hurricane, there's a C in the middle. And so my brain oh, really no. thought, did he just say that to her? <laughs> no way. And oh, so I, I had to imagine. rewind it. And I said, oh, no, he just called her a bitch. Well, that's classic superhero. <laughs> <laughs> Nidia says she won't forgive hurricane for dumping her. And her boyfriend is going to take his title away. Hurricane remarks that he's surprised Nidia only has the one boyfriend, and tells her boy to take his best shot. And so he does! Nidia's boyfriend... <laughs> Nidia's boyfriend blindsides Hurricane and beats the dog fuck out of him. Nidia then introduces her new beau. It's Jamie Noble Boy! Yeah, Jamie Noble Boy! Jamie Noble Boy. Was his, that should have been his name. <laughs> yeah, just like one word, Noble Boy. Yeah. The lovers <laughs> like then good do old... <laughs> Good the old Jamie then, Noble Boy. Yeah. The two lovers then do a big gross snog, and that's that. We have now introduced two new characters. Um, I've got to be honest, when I when I noted down that this was Noble's debut, I actually thought there was going to be more to it, but there nope. is not. That's it. In a classic Ruthless Aggression era WWE debut, it's just a segment. I do love Jamie Noble, though, and mm-hmm. just sort of looking forward to future episodes, listeners... Noble and Nydia are for about the next year or so one of the best acts on the show. It's true. Fried gold, those two. I legitimately would look forward to when they'd be on the screen. Yes, always very, very funny. Great chemistry together, the two of them. And a a good gimmick as well. This trailer park trash gimmick that they now have. Because Nydia, there was no hint of that when she was on Tough Enough. Of course, the first female winner of Tough Enough in season one. Um, And now they have given her a big cartoonish gimmick, and I kind of love it. (laughs) So, are you ready for another supremely lengthy match? Absolutely. I mean, I'm watching WWE, that's what I expect. I was going to say you're SOL, because this next one ain't that. (laughs) We, we, I'll tell you what, when when this one, um, when the intros were made for this one, I was quite looking forward to it because you've got two very capable performers here. It's a King of the Ring qualifying match between Christian and the big Valboski. Mm. And don't get me wrong, Val Venus in this day and age, bit of a knob, but Yeah, complete very knob. good a wrestler. Yep. Yeah. A, an absolute twat, but good wrestler back in the day, must be said. So mm-hmm. at least at the very least his archival footage is alright. <laughs> <laughs> So Christian jumps Val before the bell, but uh, Val turns around, uh, turns things around with a rope guillotine and a lovely little neckbreaker. He works Christian over in the corner, but uh, gets tripped into the turnbuckle and then hammer thrown into the opposite one before Christian slaps him on the tit. <laughs> Christian gets a, t- a a two off of a drop kick, which is unusual for Christian. I wouldn't have thought that was. Um... It's weird even thinking about uh, him leaving his feet. Yeah, very, usually kind of a grounded sort of wrestler. Mm-hmm. Taz uh, calls out, easy, Christian, easy. Don't snap, psycho. I mean, Christian. Yes, Christian. Christian. Do be having tanties, though. He be tripping and <laughs> Edge be shopping. So, <laughs> Speaking of Edge, the fans <laughs> give a big old we want Edge chant, which is a little bit cunty to both of the men in this match. Yes, majorly cunty. <laughs> like, wow. Val builds up a head of steam, nails a fisherman suplex with a bridge for a two, and then gets a big spinebuster and goes to apply the reverse figure four. 
Christian, though, slowly crawls to the bottom rope, which is a little bit silly because he's actually right next to the rope to begin with as the move is applied. <laughs> so, bit of a fuck up there. Inverted DDT from Chris Tian, which gets him another two. And a knee lift from Christian gets him an unprettier attempt, which Val counters with a slightly awkward blue thunderbomb to win the match. Val Venus picks up the win at 323 on Big Fucking Leavable. Val Venus getting a push. Yeah, really strange around this time, and as we progress further on into the the episode, definitely some strange decisions uh, on horse betting. But uh, yeah, not a bad uh, quick television time match. I was I popped for the uh, the uh, the fisherman's plex that he gave. I'm like, mm. damn, look at that bridge, son. <laughs> and uh, you know, the I, I always pop for the blue thunder bomb. So oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah. Val's very, very good at, at, at you know pretty much every move he's got as a signature or finisher. He always makes them look gorgeous. Mm-hmm. What a shame he's a total shit. Yeah, just a complete son of a fuck. <sighs> but Christian's lovely. So Christian is an incredible. So <laughs> he, he's a good fellow. Yeah. So yeah, three minutes twenty-three, and that's your lot, ladies and gentlemen. Another short one, but another another fun little match. Good stuff. Two guys making the most of a very short match, I thought. We head backstage then into Vince McMahon's office, where Linda Miles and Jackie Gader enter, hoping to introduce themselves to Vince. Uh, Vince is happy to meet the girls, but Ivory busts in and has a go. Well, well, it's just rude to enter Vince's office, isn't it? I mean, how rude can you get? Every fucker does it, Ivory. I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> so, Linda gets in Ivory's face. Um, Vince says he sees an opportunity. He'll book a match between Linda and Ivory. Wait for it, wait for it. On Velocity! Holy shit, what? I what? know. <laughs> uh, in response to this shocking news, Jackie Gader stands there and then leaves. <laughs> She's like, I gotta think of a way to wow everybody when I get my in-ring <laughs> debut. Comes up with the greatest in-ring entrance of all time that I admittedly stole it in my first few years. <laughs> the Jackie Gata entrance is so much fun. Oh, oh, ladies and gentlemen, what fun we will have with Jackie Gata on this podcast. She's getting an episode <laughs> all to herself. And oh, you know what damn. fucking match I'm talking about. You know what match I'm talking about. Um, so... <laughs> For the benefit of anyone that's uh, not been keeping up with the side series stuff, uh, Jackie and Linda were the winners of Tough Enough 2, which was believed to be controversial because a lot of people expected, as with Series 1, a male and female winner instead of two females. Um, I think WWE tried to fan the flames of that controversy and make out it was more than it was. Ultimately, they were probably the right choices considering the alternatives. Well, I say the right choice. One of them was Kenny King, so, you know, yeah. <laughs> they probably should have gone with him, but, oh, well, other than that. Um, but, yes, we will be covering Tough Enough on the Patreon at some point, so uh, don't worry about that. Um, just know that it was largely completely pointless, uh, and yes. Jackie and Linda basically did fuck all in the entirety of the season <laughs> and won. So it just goes to show that reality TV is a load of old shit. Wow. <laughs> Speaking of wow, this next match, oh my fucking God. Oh, I thought we were going to suddenly cover an episode of wow. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> that would be a better show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
So up next then we have Kurt Angle taking on Hardcore Holly. Oh, um, there's a guy in the front row who's wearing Kurt headgear and wig, which proves yeah. it's frankly impossible to truly hate Kurt Angle. Supplement. So yes, Taz is insistent <laughs> that Kurt's on the hair supplements. Um, so yeah, Hardcore Holly, having spent a couple of weeks there beating the dog shit out of Randy Orton, is now a babyface. <laughs> The booking of back then. Uh, <laughs> you beat the ever-loving bejesus out of these young wrestlers. You know, you're a good guy. You're a good guy. Yeah. Uh, Taz claims that Bob is the toughest guy on SmackDown, bar none, which is an astonishing claim to make when Kurt Angle is in the ring. <laughs> you mean to tell me that an Olympic medalist is more exciting than a guy who used to be a race car? <laughs> he used to be the car himself. <laughs> yep, just to be the car himself, not a driver. Bob Spark Plug Holly. Running, we... running around the track going, I'm pissed off with all these other races. <laughs> uh, Kurt Angle Gearwatch then. Kurt, Kurt is wearing a navy blue singlet with a Superman-style A logo on his chest, white oh. boots, red knee pads with an A on them. Your thoughts? I mean, he kept with the motif, the color scheme and everything. Not my favorite Kurt Angle gear. Uh, the team angle one was actually my favorite angle gear or oh, his gorgeous. bowling boots. I love the bowling boots. Ooh. I don't care what anybody says. Oh, but... is that from later on where he stops wearing wrestling shoes? Well, the, the shoes are cool. Honestly, it's, it's more legitimate uh, wrestler, but mm. I'm, I'm talking about the bowling boots of they're the blue boots with the white uh, lace borders and then the red uh, uh, wingtips. Oh, yes, I know the ones you mean. Yes, yes, very much bowling shoes. They just look like big bowling shoes. I'm like, I'm all for it. <laughs> I'm all for it. Everybody's like, oh, that's that's bowling shoe over there. I'm like, you have no soul, you unfeeling bastard. These things <laughs> are beautiful. Yeah, it's red, white, and blue, and goofy as fuck. What more yes. do you want for Kurt Angle? I mean, really? America. America. <laughs> so, big dropkick from Bob. One, two, three, it's over. And of course it's not. Yeah. <laughs> Bob Bob slaps the ever-loving shit out of Kurt's chest. Yeah. And the thing with this is both of these guys quite like it when their opponents are snug. So I know they'll have been loving beating the fuck out of one another in this one. Absolutely. And, and upon watching this match, I'm like, why didn't they do a feud? Like a like a really good mm. standing feud of it. Even though they did build the lore of their history together upon yes, uh, this Angle match previously, uh, Yeah, previously broke Bob's uh, shoulder, was it? Oh, it was his arm uh, with the moonsault. Yeah, his arm. Versus, yeah and... the fucked up moonsault that Kurt could never do properly. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> Uh, honestly, uh, just really good back and forth in the early going here. Some really nice counters, lots of near falls, lots of two counts. Kurt with an enormous fucking German suplex. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that, Kurt... that guy was like the Shamu of German suplexes. Like it was oh. a, just a high angular spectacle, and it was just gorgeous. gorgeous. Kurt uh, is charged by Bob, and Kurt just effortlessly counters it into a sleeper hold. Teddy Long, the referee, drops Bob's arm once. He drops it twice. He drops it. No! Oh, that's got to be... No, it's not! (laughs) Bob, Holly's up. He locks in a sleeper of his own. And Kurt Angle says, go fuck yourself, with a back suplex for a double down. (laughs) Uh, Kurt charges at Bob in the corner. Bob evades, and Kurt hits the ring post hard. Big back body drop from Bob. Big power slam to pick up a two. 
Uh, Bob goes to the top rope and Kurt explodes up the turnbuckle for an overhead suplex. Bob is fucking out. One, two, and oh my god, no it isn't. So close. Straps come down. Kurt stomps. Angular slam. But no, it's countered. Belly to belly from Bob for a two count. Holy fuck, what is happening? Bob Holly is having match of the night. (laughs) Bob nails the old rope hanging gut kick and an enormous fucking powerbomb to pick up a two. And at this point, I kind of realized I was rooting for Hardcore Holly to win. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Bob goes for the Alabama slam, uh, but Kurt rolls through into the ankle lock and pulls Bob away from the ropes. Bob strains, and he winces, and he's desperate for that bottom rope, reaching. Fuck me, he only gets it, doesn't he? (laughs) Goes for an enziguri, but misses. Kurt goes for a German. Bob rolls through. Kurt rolls through. Kurt holds the ropes for leverage and picks up the win in seven minutes flat. Holy fucking shit, what a match. My God. Yeah. Fucking ridiculous. Again, how did they not... So, you know what? We should put you guys in a program together because the history is there. And yep. you definitely can put on a banger of a match in a short amount of television time. Imagine what we could do with you in a big, like, Broadway match. So. In a, in a, yeah, absolutely. A 20, 25-minute match. That oof. This was good. I really fucking enjoyed this. So, uh, compared to then, how did you like Hardcore Holly now? Oh, I like him a lot now. Oh. Well, let's put on that corny ass song then. How you like me now? <laughs> no, no, I'm not gonna like him less if you do. Oh, you like me less? <laughs> <laughs> so after the match, Hardcore goes after Kurt and splats him with an Alabama slam, and the fans are on their fucking feet for Hardcore Holly. I mean, I uh, loves me a Bama slammer. That shit's oh, awesome. Great move. Great fucking move. It's simple. It's effective. You can do it on most opponents. It's obvious why it hurts. It's mm-hmm. a perfect move. Yeah. Uh, Bob goes for the headgear. Kurt low blows him. And then Taz makes himself laugh by saying, he went for the wit. I mean, the hair. And then just starts giggling to himself like a fucking <laughs> impressed kid. Somewhere uh, a young Excalibur is like, I'm going to do commentary with that giggly man one day. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, I, I love Taz. He's so joyous. He's a treat. Kurt brings the ring bell into the ring, swings with it, but Bob ducks it, grabs the belt, and absolutely blasts Kurt with it. Hardcore hero put the world belt on him immediately. They never do. <laughs> no, never. Not once. Sadly. Well, <laughs> I know. Believe me. There's so many things that would be like, why didn't they do... Son of a bitch. You know, See, just I shake th- your head. I think they could have probably made him a sort of an upper mid-card guy based on a showing like this. Absolutely. Yeah, like, don't get me wrong, he wouldn't... I, I'm not unrealistic about it. He wouldn't have been a high-drawing world champion, so I'm not saying put the belt on him. But I no. think based on this, this is a guy that can have a good match. Like, don't, Kurt Angle basically can't have a bad match, but mm. this was a really good match. You know, it takes two to tango, you know? Absolutely, and it, it definitely should show the chemistry between two competitors in the ring, and Hardcore Holly was good. There was a reason that they kept him around for so long, but they really should have given him more merits to it. And Honestly, I would have loved to have yeah. seen a successful mid-card run and then go to Japan and see him take on the roster of that time. Oh, he would have been in his element there, people mm-hmm. smacking the shit out of one another. <laughs> we cut, then 
to the hospital where Maven is in traction. <laughs> no, I don't know how it's happened either. What the fuck? Uh. So in comes Tori Wilson, and she has with her a brightly coloured, cuddly monkey and a banana, which is peeled but not eaten. What? Make your mind up, Tori. Fucking well, what does she do flower. with the banana, LT? Oh, oh, now. Oh, what, what happens oh, with the banana? Oh, You're supposed now. to eat a banana. Now, here's the, ri- here's, here's the rub, you see. Because apparently, Maven rubs broke a banana. His... <laughs> <laughs> apparently, Maven broke his leg last week. Apparently, oh no! Allegedly, doing um, a signature drop kick. Uh, yeah, his knee just bent the wrong fucking way. Oh god! So, <laughs> no, I'm, that's more disturbing than the banana rub. <laughs> I I have genuinely no idea how this happened. There's nothing on Wikipedia about him injuring his leg, so I assume it's a work. Well, it, 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 based on what happens, it's definitely a fucking. Work. Well, it's a work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Tori Wilson suggests to Maven that she will suck his cock right here and now in the hospital. Wow. I mean, um, you just eating potassium. It's like, I got something that'll cheer you up. Potassium. <laughs> so a ner- th- this is fucking great. A nurse enters to check on Maven, and he's like, I'm fine right now. Thanks. You're doing a really great job. Go, go, go. Leave me alone. Bye, 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 bye. <laughs> like, give, me, give, me, give, me the, give me the sucky. Well, uh, well here's the thing. Here's the thing. The, the, what what one doesn't realize is that she goes well just to let you know Maven because you know they always a lot a lot of nurses really do say their first name with the patient not Mister yeah. last name which we'll come to <laughs> later. Um, uh, Maven, you have to keep that leg elevated. He goes, oh, don't you worry, I'm very elevated at the moment. Assuming Jeez. that Maven's dick is all the way down in his leg, so <laughs> his liver enzymes will be elevated as well. <laughs> oh, we know that's a different show altogether. Of course. <laughs> Tori asks for a little bit of time alone. Just her and Maven and the cameraman. Not really sure how she fails to notice that they're broadcasting this uh, suck job to the entire country, but never mind. Uh, right. Tori, gets, Tori gets her top off, but elsewhere in the hospital, Tajiri looms, boo, hiss. Uh, he well, asks... Well, Tajiri, yes, but this is the way he's dressed, this is Tajiri Caribbean cool. Based on his street clothes. <laughs> so. uh, he asks where Maven is, but the receptionist is confused as Maven doesn't seem to have a last name. You have no last name, just Maven. That's <laughs> so good. Uh, and then another member of staff compliments Maven and tells Tajiri that Tori Wilson is here as well. And Tajiri's head fucking almost bursts as he like starts gurning and reacting. Oh, he's so fucking good. He's a gem. Fucking love to Jerry. Uh, we very briefly cut back to ringside, where Taz and Michael Cole trade notes on who they think will win the number one contendership match. Cole theorizes that Vince wants Hogan to win, which will then turn Hogan's attention to Undertaker and away from Vince. Which is you know, a decent theory, and Taz buys into it. You can tell that Paul Heyman wrote this because it makes sense. Yep, and they actually seem coherent in their stats and everything <laughs> exactly. else. So. Here, read this! You guys can't call shit for shit! <laughs> like, okay, Paul, not a problem. Where's my money? Fuck you! <laughs> Back at the hospital then, Tajiri is now disguised as a doctor. Uh, but unfortunately, a tractor trailer accident has occurred and Tajiri is dragged <laughs> off to the ER. I know. <laughs> Tajiri's dragged off to the ER as passing doctors think he's a real doctor. Holy shit. Oh boy, wackiness ensues. <laughs> 
So we're going to go away from the hospital for a little while. We'll can't, We'll see what those crazy kids, Tori and Maven, are getting up to later on in the show. <laughs> oh, they so did. Uh, uh, back in the ring then, Edge comes out to the ring wearing street clothes, and he's got his arm in a sling. Uh, he gets on the mic, tells the crowd that with the top rope spear to Kurt Angle in their very fucking excellent cage match, uh, he mm. tore his shoulder. Um, Edge says he's angry at himself and angry at his body for giving out on him. He's frustrated that he was given a chance to run with the ball. Cut to a young door crying. <laughs> uh, he says he'd do it all again, though, because he loves the business and everything about it. And it kills him to know he won't be able to do this for a while, and he won't be able to defend his King of the Ring throne. He says the worst of it is being forced to come out and forfeit his qualifying match against Chris Jericho. He promises he'll be back with the goal to win the WWE Undisputed Championship. Oh, buddy, if only you knew how well you'd succeed in that fucking goal, my friend. Yes. An all-timer is Edge, but... uh... Back here in O2, never even held the big one. That's weird to think. Yeah, the 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 just the whole energy and steam on Edge was just really going hard for it, and like mm. at the time, like progressing on into this this era, you you can't hear anything about a five star or a highly rated match without Edge being in that equation. And so, like, I don't know if they, if it was their decision or Edge's decision, the need to have him prove constantly that he can be a main event man or he is a, a guy for the job. But holy shit, man, this was a great era for Edge. Like, yeah. th- this particular section of it, where he is like prepping to be the face of the company. Yeah. And just ah, uh, I'm so, when watching this episode that you had given me for um, for reference, I'm like, shit. Do I really want to find a way to go back and watch this entire era because <laughs> I remember a lot of these matches. Oh, wow. the Fantastic. the thing. The thing with Edge at this point, he he could not lose in this situation because on Raw, the head writer was Brian Gewertz, who was mm-hmm. a friend of his. So Edge would have definitely been getting some opportunities on Raw. And on SmackDown, Paul Heyman had decided he wanted Edge to be one of his guys. So ah. it, it was win-win Win-win! All around. Uh, suddenly, Jericho, in a oh, pink no. and silver sparkly jacket, beautiful, green tights, no. Classic new millennia color clashing um, of brightly colored metallic futuristic mm. um, gobbledygook. Uh, <laughs> it, uh, it, uh, even at that time, I'm like, man, I do like the colors, but fuck, man, you need to get some like black pants or something <laughs> to just balance this shit out or out. So out. <laughs> Jericho, Jericho, I, I like he's figured out. A very quick way to get heel heat is to just dress like a prick. Yep, and reference movies that are way past their premiere. So So Jericho has a mic of his own, and he gets into the ring, and he says that Edge makes him sick. And so do all their jackass fans, boo. What the what? What? What a heel. Uh, He mocks Edge for hurting his shoulder, and... Claims that he said that Edge forfeited the match because he was getting ready to beat the hell out of him. Boo! What a heel. Whoa. <laughs> he says it'd make him happy if Edge raised his hand in victory. Instead, Edge punches Jericho with his good arm. 
Uh, doesn't work out too well for Edge, however, because Jericho fights back, attacking the injured arm, whipping Edge into the steel uh, on the exposed barricade. Uh, he takes Edge's sling off and chokes him with it and throws him into the ring post. Really, uh, really going to town on Edge's arm here. Edge tries to battle back, but to no avail. Uh, he gets slammed into the ring steps by Jericho. He grabs a steel chair and gives Edge's injured arm a concerto on the steps. Ooh. However, Edge's uh, brother-in-law at the time, Val Venus, hits the ring to fight Jericho off. Fucking brilliant timing, Val. Turn up when the fight is over, you fucking dope. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's Edge off our TV for a little while. He's not actually gone for too long. He will be back reasonably soon. This isn't a massively um, horrendous injury, but he's going to be gone for a little while now. So that's that's Edge. That's Edge. That's, Good heat uh, on Jericho here, though. Yeah, absolutely. Just complete heat on Edge uh, or on uh, Jericho. Um, <laughs> I can't help but. Just, you know, anytime I see anything of Edge, I always imagine what Dooley would think at that time. <laughs> like, he must have been so into this. Like, <laughs> like you know, like like a, like a big brother or a happy papa. I'm just like, aw, little Dooley. He's probably worried <laughs> sick about this. Like, so crying, they're watching Edge getting brutalized like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. So, yeah, it's like, no, don't, don't do this to Dool. <laughs> oh, poor Dool. A little Dool. I'm going to send him a hug later. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> uh, we head backstage once more as Dawn Marie heads into Vince's office <laughs> only to find Stacy Keebler. What the what? What? That's not Vince at all. That's not Vince at all. His legs are more stumpy. So <laughs> <laughs> Stacy takes Dawn Marie's legal papers off her and tells Dawn to button up her blouse because she looks desperate. Ooh. Don Marie asks if Stacy's jealous that she has something Stacy doesn't, uh, presumably referring to the aforementioned legal papers. Oh, I was going to say either that or like you know a straightening iron. So sure, sure, yes. I mean, I, I can't imagine what else it would be. Anything else would probably be something really sexist, and they wouldn't do that, would they? Would no. they? And WWE, give me no a break! Way. No, no, Surely no, not. Jeez, no. Elsewhere, then, in the locker room, Lance Storm talks to Billy oh, Kidman. Oh, this is a shoot, brother. <laughs> yep. This is this is the office hate both of you. Um, Storm, Storm tells Kidman, word is, the office thinks Kidman is dull and too serious, and it would appear that Canadian pots are just as black as American kettles. Kidman <laughs> says not everyone can be as exciting and energetic and captivating as Lance, and he has the greatest haircut in WWE. But don't doesn't give time for the crowd to react. It's like, you have the best haircut in WWE. Well, see you out there. Like, <laughs> dude, get your timing down. What Jeez. the shit? Kidman is a very, very fun wrestler to watch in the ring. He's not a promo guy, I don't think. No. No, he is not. Like, like Lance could at least just pull it off enough to where he can be a heel, but it's like, yes. even then, it, I'm just like, wait, was that just a throwaway segment, or are they going to have a match? Like, I didn't pay attention to the first yeah. part. Was, not to take focus off the match later. I'm like, oh, are they tagging? And then the shit talking. It's not clear at all, is it? It's not. It's so sloppily done. Mm. <laughs> I like to be fair to Landstorm, him being dull is kind of his gimmick. So that like it's not so bad if the the joke is, haha, Landstorm is actually the boring one. 
but I think the sigma <laughs> kind of buried the bow. <laughs> I've got a little task for you. My name is Hamburger. I have a gun. Back at the hospital, Maven has done a big old spunk in Tori's mouth. Damn. But he's not the only one with a liquid in, in someone's mouth. Of course not. Walks, well, it from, walks to Jerry. From swallowing to spinning, we got to Jerry coming in. So she's sitting there, Japanese poison mist on her titties. Yeah. So. Jerry just mists Tori. LOL. Throws Maven off the bed, slams his broken leg in the door. LOL. <laughs> It's the most ridiculous beatdown. And the noises were so badly acted oh that they were damn near God. pornographically questionable. Just and screaming. Like, you know, mind you, I, I'm I'm close to my 40s. I'm still turning down the volume because I'm like, this sounds way too suspect right now. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I'm like, what is <laughs> happening in this segment? What the fuck? You're supposed to be in pain. Like, or is this, what is, what is the miss doing to you? <laughs> Hey, I mean, maybe that's her kink, and we don't. Hey, shame I'm on this not podcast, to shame. You know? I am not shaming. It's just you know we couldn't get the camera on it to see what was going on because those noises were just ridiculous. Oh, uh, oh, like what? <laughs> fucking to Jerry. <laughs> the smack of the night is brought to you by Atari, the makers oh. of Test Drive, and Test oh. is in the replay. Whoa. Oh, <laughs> very happy with that. No way was that intentional. <laughs> that was that was just me continuously going. Oh, I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna keep going higher. So if you did another one, I'm pretty sure the microphone wouldn't have picked it up. I don't know. <laughs> uh, only dogs listening to the podcast would have heard. They're like, Jesus. <laughs> All right then. So Lance Storm and Billy Kidman do in fact have a match, and it is next. And Taz says that Storm is full of charismaticness. Ah, uh, yep. <laughs> All right, that does. Whatever you say, buddy. Uh, Billy Kedman is altogether too happy for a man whose real-life girlfriend just sucks someone else off at the hospital. <laughs> uh, he goes up top and gets drop-kicked to the outside by Lance. Very fucking cool spot. Um, cool little chain wrestling from the two. Kedman gets an absolutely gorgeous BK bomb to get a two-count and a Ridiculous DDT plants Kidman for another two. Dr. Taz notes that Kidman landed on the bean of his head. That's the hmm. uh, scientific name, I believe. Ah. Uh, Turnbuckle Bulldog from Kidman, who goes for a shooting star. Lance rolls him up and straight into the uh, straight shooter. Uh, straight shooter? Solid shooter? They don't seem to be able to pick a name for this move. It's hmm. a fucking half crab. It's not that impressive, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> Kidman reaches for the ropes, hits an enziguri, uh, climbs a turnbuckle, but Storm cuts him off. Uh, Kidman flips over with a sunset flip powerbomb from the turnbuckle and gets a two. Kidman blocks a superkick, 
but walks into another one, allowing Storm to pick up the victory at 2 minutes 44. A lot of shit going off in a very short amount of time there. Very, very fast-paced. Like that That's one thing that I give this episode a lot of credit for, is that everything is just hit your mark, hit your mark, go fast, mm. do all this. No slow-pacing shit that, mm. honestly, I see a lot of with today's episodes of Raw. Like, I mean, given when I used to steadily watch a few years ago, uh, I'm like, man, every match in here is slow. Like, why the hell is there nothing fast about it? Like, they have plenty of Because filling three hours is hard, brother. Filling three hours is very hard, but you could still, with the amount of people that you have signed, you definitely Absolutely. could get some good fast-paced like, ones in there. But 250 like, people on the roster in this God 20 damn. every week. Yeah, like, watching this era of SmackDown, I'm like, fuck, why? they need to go back to this type of format because... Every match was just uh, it's solidly entertaining. Like I was not yeah. bored by anything involved in this episode, and it it builds very well to the pay per view because it it just gives you that nicest little bit of a teaser of like, oh, this guy's good. Oh, I want to see him again. Mm-hmm. Backstage again, a lot, a lot of backstage tonight. Mark Lloyd shows Triple H the footage of Undertaker's assault last week. This seems mm. wise. <laughs> Lloyd says the doctors claim Hunter has only 30% motion in his arm, and then calls Triple H one of the greatest icons of his generation. J- j- leave the blowjobs to Tory, Mark, come on. Wow. <laughs> he asks for Hunter's thoughts, and Hunter walks away. Rude. <laughs> He's just like, I'll just go fuck myself then. Thanks, Trips. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for our main event. In a WWE Championship number one contendership match, Hollywood Hulk Hogan taking on Triple H. And the first note I have here is WWE just pay for the fucking Hendrix song. Because the version on the network is so loud you cannot hear shit under the editor. <laughs> it's pretty much that. Uh, and then Triple H comes out and we get told he's on the cover of... Flex Magazine doing Flex a Magazine building. with his hmm. signature expression. <laughs> so, and the next note I have is God, I hate Babyface Hunter. <laughs> He's fucking awful. In this yeah, I mean they were popping for him. I'm like, no, I'm never gonna pop for this asshole. He retired fully. Fuck you, Triple H. Yeah, <laughs> Look at that like, time. I'm like, fuck you, Triple H. <laughs> to reiterate a point I've made before, I think Triple H is probably one of the best heels in the history of wrestling. But as a babyface, no, thank you. Please go away. Doggy shit. So. <laughs> <laughs> Not even big dog shit. Puppy no. doggy shit. <laughs> um. It was at this point I noticed there were 13 minutes left of the episode and had a uh-huh. panic attack because I yeah. didn't want this going for 13 minutes. I was like, man, this is a really quick episode. Oh, we're at the main. Okay. Oh, fuck. Mm. 13 minutes. Come on. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, There was a lot of jostling for position in the opening, a lot of time wasting. Uh, Triple H, uh, at this point, he, in light of what's happened earlier, but also because of the necessity due to the fact nobody's booing Hogan, Triple H is working a de facto heel style here. Uh, lots of punches, clotheslines, brawling. Not a lot interesting, though. Um, no. Hogan slams Triple H's face into the ring steps as they brawl at ringside. Hogan knocks Triple H over the barricade and then back again, like... You know, when you when you do a spot wrong in the video games and you you accidentally do a crowd brawl, and you're like, oh, shit, I didn't mean to do that. Uh, back in the ring. It's like that, <laughs> but real life. 
Uh, Irish whip from Hogan is reversed, and Hogan is thrown into the ring post. The two of them finally get back in the ring. Triple H chokes Hogan with his boot, and I've got here more strikes than a Thatcher government NCU. One for wow. one for us, one for us British lefties. Uh, so the highbrow comedy here on this podcast. Um, Hogan, <laughs> Hogan gets put in a sleeper hold by Hunter. Uh, which proves that the ring agents do not talk to one another because this no. is a repeated spot from earlier tonight. Uh, <laughs> Brian Hebner, baby Heb, raises and drops Hogan's arm once. He does it twice. He does it no! Hogan waggles the finger. Oh, what? He's never done that before ever a bunch of times. Never. I've just... Uh, I know, This is a point where I realised we had uh, three H's, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, three H's, Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Where's Hardcore Holly? I need more H's. <laughs> Hogan throws Hunter at the ropes and locks in a sleeper of his own. Whoa. Triple H. Exciting. <laughs> yeah, thrilling. <laughs> Fuck me. Triple H says no thank you and gives Hogan a side suplex to pick up a two. Wow. Uh, which is the cue for Hogan to start hulking up and Triple H, the cerebral dumbass in, actually hits him. <laughs> uh, this, of course, leads to the inevitable Hogan comeback and the atomic leg drop. Triple H says, fuck your hip, and rolls out of the way. Hunter then goes for a pedigree. Hogan backdrops him and hits the leg drop for a close two. And Hogan acts as if he won. D- Sorry, mate, do you hear your music, you complete fuckhead? <laughs> no, my head is just so far on my ass, dude, <laughs> that I constantly think I'm going to win everything. Because so. I'm not being funny, but that <laughs> certainly in the network version, your music's fucking loud, so I think you notice. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately for him, he turns around into a pedigree, and Triple H gets the win at 6 minutes 44 on account of Hogan being as dumb as shit. Yeah. And all I can say is, thank God this did not utilize the full 13 minutes. Um, and ag- again, like, you know, well, everything aside, I do like Triple H as a worker, but there is not very much he can do with Hulk Hogan, so I'm glad this was relatively short. Mm-hmm. Same. Uh, the. There's very few matches that I can watch of either competitor in like a full 15 to 25 mm. minutes. And the fact that it was such a short match, I'm like, oh shit! Like, yeah. You know what? I'm not going to complain. And I, then God, we no. proceed with a very long, you know, SmackDown ending beatdown. Oh, yes. Because Triple H, um, Triple H leaves the ring. Hogan grabs a mic and calls him back in the ring, saying he's not done with him yet. So Hunter obliges. And gets in Hogan's face. Hogan says he doesn't have a problem shaking the better man's hand. And he does so. And he shakes his own hand because Hogan's a fucking (laughs) narcissist. (laughs) (laughs) He gives Triple H a hug and raises his arm in celebration. And then at gorilla position, Vince McMahon cackles to himself, realizing he scripted that fucking idiot Terry to do as he's damn well told. Eat shit, Hogan. <laughs> Back on camera. <laughs> that's, that's my that's my hypothesis. It may not have happened, but I'm pretty sure. I love <laughs> Back <it>. on <laughs> Back on camera, Hunter says he and Hogan have some unfinished business. And initiates a Hulkster pose off by guard. Oh god. <laughs> this is some fucking house show shit to reestablish Triple H as a babyface. Um but before things can get too embarrassing, Kurt Angle comes out and says, No bro, stop posting cringe and comes to the top <laughs> of the ramp. He provides the distraction to let Undertaker hit the ring. By gosh, he wasn't home at all. Son of a 
bitch. I know. Undy and Kurt work over the baby faces in the corner, pairing off with their respective rivals. Undertaker choke slams Triple H, and Kurt gives Hogan an angle slam. The Undertaker has a great The Last Ride. Ah. Uh, tr- uh, Taker leans over Triple H's downed body as the episode comes to an end. Ooh. So there we go. We are building storylines on this episode. Paul Heyman had his working hat on when he came with the final script to Vince. He was like, here you go, you motherfucker. 20 people and about 15 storylines. Fuck you. He probably didn't say that, but in his head he was probably thinking it. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Just, I, I mean, again, like the main event, not great, but it's built intrigue for two upcoming matches. And, you know, Triple H and Undertaker, we can be pretty sure they're going to have a good match. They always work well together. Hogan mm-hmm. and Angle, Hogan will have the crutch of Kurt Angle to help him massively, so you've got two main event level matches out of one SmackDown main event, so it's pretty good going, I think. Yeah. So, Dino. Yeah? We've only bloody reached the end of the episode. That's wild. I know. I tell you what, these these old SmackDowns they fucking fly by, man. Absolutely, they do. It's it's fantastic. You it's never nice get to a chance to get bored. Yeah, just think of a time where yeah, you didn't have a chance to get bored. Everything when it was finished, you wanted more, as opposed to okay, it's finished. I don't want any more today. So, mm-hmm. so <laughs> which uh, which all that said brings us to a segment which I'm tentatively calling High and Low, because I can't think of a better name. I do have a good name for it, but I can't use it until about the mid-2004 point, so whoops. (laughs) (laughs) But um, usually at this stage in the show, I'll ask the uh, lovely co-host what they think the high point and the low point of tonight's show has been. So what do you reckon? Well, the high point of the show, I honestly feel, was uh, a good display. It was actually a toss-up for me on the Hardcore Holly match uh, and the Rikishi match. Those two really just stood out to me as a very fast-paced display of for wrestlers that, at the time, were just given really, really long matches to work with. And I'd forgotten completely how well they can utilize the television time uh, slot of their matches. Um and it made me just want to see more and more of that, and honestly, more and more of that particular type of, like, I want to say, like, more organized, fast pacing of it uh, yes. in today's product. Um, yes. And then uh, the low point of it, the main event. I think like, that's just, fair. The main event really just brought me down. Like, I, I, I didn't even, like, groan or roll my eyes when it was like, okay, they're going to do the main event. That's fine. But... Yeah. It wasn't until, like, everything started happening. Once the bell rang, I'm like, oh, fuck. No, I I definitely remember not enjoying this at all. (laughs) And just really hoping, like, man, I really hope that they bring up some people from the mid-card because they had really good matches. But nope, Mm. they got Hogan and Hunts. So. I I think I'm inclined to agree with you. I'd say the low point is probably the main event match. Like, the the angles being built afterwards, I'm on board with. That's fine. But Mm. the match itself was very... Uh, well, like I said, I'm glad it didn't use the full 13 minutes, I'll put it that way. I yeah. think this was probably the best that Triple H could drag out of Hogan, because as we've covered before, Hogan is very beloved and popular at this point, but he is past his prime at this stage, and there's very 
much a limitation on what he can achieve in the ring. So that's the best we could probably manage with him. But unfortunately, yeah, not a great match. I will echo you in saying I think the Kurt Angle Hardcore Holly match was match of the night. I fucking loved that. Yeah, really, Give really me good. More Bobco. I'm well into that shit. <laughs> so. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you won't believe this. Well, you're better than Bret Hart. Well, well, I mean, I imagine they won't believe that because that's not fucking true. (laughs) It's not. (laughs) That's categorically untrue. I'm definitely not better than Bret Hart. Uh, Probably anything I do. But you know what? We have only bloody well made it to the end of another episode. How are you you feeling about this, Dean? Are Are you at peace? Like knowing, like, oh, is old SmackDown good? Or, hmm. uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I'm I'm <laughs> fine. I, I'm like, okay, cool. We we were able to record this today. Uh, it was a really quick watch. I mean, hmm. um, nice to know that at least like twenty or thirty minutes was just all commercials and UPN, uh, oh, yeah. uh broadcast for Shasta McNasty and the Parkers. <laughs> but, uh. <laughs> Uh, no, it was a lot of fun just going back and, and watching this classic stuff, and I'm definitely happy to hear that you've gotten your podcast off the ground, because I remember when this was just a seedling idea, yeah. and me being the supportive auntie that I am, I'm just like, he is do it, auntie. do it, do it, please do it, I want you to do this, like I want, because you and, you and the boys, I'm going to get sentimental here, folks, so you and no. the boys are the most, the, the group of most talented people that have so much to offer beyond just us dicking around on video games. And so wow. whenever you want to, if you have an idea, if you want to go branch off and do something else, you are going to find me just completely rooting for you to do this. And so when I heard that oh, you, you had finally gotten the ball rolling on this, I was so freaking happy. And so like, being on here for one, it, it it's it's a huge honor, man. I can't thank you enough. For oh, hey, don't listen, man. Like like I was saying to you off air, it was a no brainer. Gonna get as many of the uh, new legacy boys on here as possible because the people love a bit of new legacy, and we love you. So oh. there we go. And oh. I will be more than happy to have you back on if you would like to. I would absolutely love to. Just let me know and send me the episode, and I would gladly relive these moments of my youth and head full of hair. Uh, with you, but, <laughs> I mean, it's it, yeah. I'm just I'm so proud of you, and I can't wait to see how many more episodes of this oh, you got. You. And yeah, man, just I had a really great time. Oh, thank you very much. I'm glad you did. I had a great time too. Talking <laughs> wrestling with a pal. What more can I want? I tell you what. Speaking of talking wrestling with a pal, and speaking of uh, the new Legacy Boys, next episode is uh, gonna cover King of the Ring 2002 from the 23rd oh, of June. Damn. Yes, and uh, on the slate for that is one Slip Q Slippington as my co-host. Oh, damn! These are the Uh, rafters! Oh, yes. So, um, just a couple more episodes uh, covering the June period. July is a stacked period for this podcast. Hey, it's eyes are up here, pal. (laughs) (laughs) So, King of the Ring 2002, there's a lot to look forward to on that show. Obviously, as we've covered... The main event is Triple H versus The Undertaker for the WWE Championship. We have the King of the Ring tournament finals, including a fucking phenomenal hoss fight between Test and Brock Lesnar. Holy shit. And uh, maybe uh, maybe just a couple of little surprises and good bits on that show. It's a really good pay-per-view, by the way. So I mean, it, I know you guys are going to watch it on your on your own time, but just invite me in. I want to watch it with you. Cause Hell yeah. I... 
I, I just, I, I fucking love watching wrestling, so. <laughs> it's good stuff. Listen, guys, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't checked out King of the Ring 2002, honestly, I recommend as your homework for the evening, do please check it out. It is possibly one of the best shows of 2002, uh, certainly from WWE. Well, I was going to say certainly from WWE. They're the only game in town at the moment, aren't they? So it, it would be, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, great, great fucking show. So it's on the network, of course. It's on Peacock. So check it out at your discretion. Dino Winwood, I have a question for yeah. you. What? The answer is the Beatles. So. Oh, damn, he's good. It's usually the Beatles, so... Well, in that case, I've got a different question for you. Oh, okay, cool. Great, what uh, do we got? Where, where can our lovely, lovely listeners find you online on the internet? Oh, yes. Well, you can find me on, uh, well, while it's still around, Twitter and Hive uh, under Price Howdy. That's my roommate's account. We share it. Uh, you can he, also he find look, me. He looks ever so similar to you. Has anyone ever said? I mean, you, I don't wear a hat. Alive? I don't see how there's similarities, but that's okay. fair. But, yeah. Hmm. Um, so, <laughs> and you can find him on Championship Rustic from Hollywood. And yeah. For God, getting up you to, know, hopefully, getting up to mischief as usual. No, no, not at all. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you can find us on there. Uh, I'm at DizzleWizzle983 on Instagram. <laughs> Uh, also, you can catch me on W3, that's uh, Big Dog yes. Andrew Everett's E-Fed of Fire Pro Wrestling, but we add a little extra bells and whistles to make it a full television production mm. with uh, Courtney Rush, the vessel for Rosemary, and uh, chair-throwing freak uh, Nexus Omega. Uh, we got a, a lot of stuff coming up here. Uh, we're going to do our season finale coming up soon, but uh, we do have a lot in the archives well, but, you guys um, just hit 200 episodes, didn't you? We just hit 200 episodes of doing I this. Know, uh, um, I know there's a little delay in the archives because I know Courtney sort of tidies them up and it takes a bit of time. Oh, and yeah, obviously, it, being, a, being a wrestler, she... Uh, a very that, busy that, and successful that is not her television first job, personality. Course, but yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah I, I love the creativity of stuff like that. I mean, people that know me reasonably well know that uh, E-Fedding and CAW wrestling and stuff, that's something that I... You know, it's played a big part in my past, so it's fun to see uh, other members of my uh, friendship circle going into that area. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I didn't know if you were done. I didn't see the period. Oh, no, sorry, it's okay. So <laughs> that's the awkward silence right there. But uh, through, through the magic of editing, yes, and I love fun. editing. It's it's great. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you can catch me on there um, whenever I can be awake at the random hours that we decide to broadcast you can catch me on new legacy um yes, let's see uh i'm not young <laughs> i was never young in this group but uh <laughs> always happy to be around whenever there's something that we can do all together um and uh is that it i think that's it that might be it but yeah right. i mean this, this I, oh. is a man leading a busy life i mean honestly uh, yeah i completely forgot about my own shit like i have a channel uh, oh yeah <laughs> twitch.tv slash d winwood's ghost i do some e-fetting here and there not as much as i used to but i do a lot of old school wrestling watch-alongs we watch wcw saturday night and worldwides and we do some classic pay-per-views as well we really want to keep away from a lot of the stuff that everybody else is covering like attitude era i definitely yes. don't want to step on the toes of the ruthless aggression era but oh, i want to hey, catch uh, those but, those uh, by, moments by all means man you, you know don't let me oh true uh... i mean if uh <laughs> I know, I'll, I'll figure something out. One day I'm just going to be like, yeah, we're going to watch something from this era. But I really love covering the WCW era. Of the one that I wasn't watching because we didn't have cable. Or two, uh, 
stuff leading up to the big monumental moment. So I think the yes. furthest we'll go on that is when uh, the tease of the match that you know Hogan turned for the NWO is where mm. we will stop. But there is literally so much more to watch. And even in between the weeks, I broadcast during the week and we watch like Torimon before it was Dragon Gate and you know, oh, nice. classic uh, New Japan, All Japan stuff. Whenever we can think of how are we not going to get flagged by this, but uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, I fucking love wrestling and I love showing it to people and giving the education out there because there's literally so much in the history books that yes, we that really is. need to take advantage of that. So, well, here at the Ruthless Aggression Relive Podcast, we are always very concerned with your professional wrestling education. So do check Dino out on Twitch. And join in for some of those uh, watch-alongs then. Uh, give yourself a broadened spectrum. A wider horizon, if you will, of the world of pro wrestling. Yes! So, as for myself then, dear listeners, you can find me uh, on... Well, well, the social media landscape is changing, isn't it? Never <laughs> um, so. <laughs> um, you can currently find me on Twitter and on Hive at LTDangerous. Um, you can find the show on Twitter at RA Relived. And if you like, uh, you can email us lt.ruthless. No, it's not a dot, is it? Ah, fuck me. Nearly, <laughs> nearly sent your emails to the wrong address. It's uh, ltruthlessaggression at gmail.com. All one word. Uh, we do love reading your emails and tweets out on the show. So, yeah, hey, just give us your feedback. Even if it's to say, that guy Dino was really nice and that other Englishman, he was a fucking idiot. Should have been on the show last. <laughs> Um, but yes, until next time, guys, with King of the Ring, I think that's pretty well going to wrap it up for today. So I would like to say thank you once more to the wonderful Mr. Dino Winwood. Thank you so much for joining us, man. It's been great having you on. My immense honor is definitely bestowed upon. I tried to sound really classy. I can't do it. It's Sunday. And I'm <laughs> cold. I'm working with children. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I love oh, no. it here. Oh, no. I love I'm you very put my much. Arm and I love on. it here. And thank you so much for having me on here. <laughs> You're so welcome, man. I'm looking forward to getting you back on, buddy. So, till next time, guys. You all take care. Have a lovely, lovely day. And I'll see you soon for King of the Ring 2002. Bye. Bye bye.